Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. And today we're excited to welcome Barbara O'Neill. She's the author of a book uh, called Flipping a Switch, Your Guide to Happiness and Financial Security in Later Life. Thanks for coming on the show, Barbara. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful. We got connected through a financial conference and just had a lot in common. I loved your approach to helping and educating uh, people about their retirement. And that's what we do. We like to help and educate people about their retirement. So we thought, this is a great resource. Let's bring you on the show. Well, thank you. Yeah, kindred spirits, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so the, you wrote this book called Flipping a Switch, uh, Your Guide to Happiness and Financial Security in Later Life. We're going to have a link to that in the show notes. And actually, we're going to have a few of those books at our office if you're somebody that wants to have one of these books, send me an email, jeremy at kylefp.com, K-E-I-L-F-P.com, and we'll make sure that the first three people that do that will send you out a book uh, right away. So that'd be a, a great way to get connected. So uh, Barbara, tell us about this. How, how do people get happier and have financial security? That's, that sounds like the golden life, happiness and financial security. How, how do we do that? Well, it's a tall order, and I think a lot of it comes down to planning ahead and thinking about where you want to be, what you want to do. Of course, planning on the financial side, but also planning on the non-financial side. And the book actually includes 35 flip switches or transitions, if you will. Flip switches is kind of metaphor for uh, different things that people face in in later life and it's everything from taking required minimum distributions from their tax deferred retirement savings plans to downsizing to having an answer for the question what do you do when you're no longer in the full-time labor force Staying busy is another key challenge. Um, Maintaining good health. So there's 35 in all in the book. The book has three main sections, and there are 15 chapters that deal with financial transitions, five chapters that deal with social transitions, and 15 chapters that deal with lifestyle transitions. So there's a lot of changes that people make in later life. And also on the financial side, I think people's finances are the most complicated in later life than they would be in earlier years. There's just so many new things that people have to deal with, whether it's taking the RMDs or estimating taxes on multiple streams of income or living on a reduced income, living on a larger income. Not that that's a problem, but it's it's still a decision-making Uh, focus for people, deciding when to take Social Security, dealing with Medicare. So there's just so many more issues that come into play that people didn't have to face earlier. So the book walks people through a number of those financial decisions. I like it how you call it uh, flip switches, and there's 35 of them. I feel like a lot of people approach retirement and think it's just one switch. I was working, now I'm not. And then they realize that it's a lot more to it. So that's awesome that you laid it out. There's a 35 different flip switches that are on there. 
we talk a lot about the financial transitions. I think people, especially our clients or people that are used to listening to our show probably hear a lot about those and not quite sure if we need to go through some of those, but I do like how you break down the social flip switches, the lifestyle flip switches, and especially there's 15 of those, uh, of the lifestyle. Let's, let's talk about those a little bit. Okay. Well, I mean, there's just a number of things that people um, are facing in later life. And one of the big ones is deciding whether to stay put or to move to a new location. And so there's a chapter, I borrowed the theme of the song from The Clash, you know, should I stay or should I go? And that's a big decision that people need to make. Making friends is is another challenge when people are leaving the workforce, because the two main ways that younger and middle-aged adults make friends are through their jobs and through their kids. And when those go away, and particularly if you move to a new location, you need to find other ways to connect with people uh, than through kids or a job. And uh, that takes some concerted effort and planning for, for many people to do that. So that's, that's one of the chapters that I wrote about. And then, of course, just keeping busy, getting help when needed. I have a chapter on that because as people get older, they may need to call in some external resources, whether it's somebody to help them with financial planning, much like what you do with your clients, Jeremy, or lawn services, or just things that people either don't feel comfortable doing anymore or just really can't anymore. So there's a chapter related to that. Another chapter, I call it Green Bananas, Roll Calculations, and Last. And it's kind of a weird title for a chapter, but it came about because I realized that one of the big transitions that people have is their time orientation changes. You know, when you get to a point in later life when it's very clear that you've lived more years than you have years left to live, that changes some of your decision making or it can change that. And I use the green bananas analogy because when I was in my 40s, my mom was in her 70s and she used to start using this saying that she would say, at our age, we don't buy green bananas anymore. And I used to say, Mom, what are you talking about? You're not going to live long enough for the bananas to turn yellow? And I didn't really get it. And I do get it now. I mean, obviously, that's an extreme example. But people do start playing scenarios in their head. You know, for example, if, if I get a dog, will I live longer than the dog? Or will this be my last car or my last refrigerator? And so that's a big change for people. And then, of course, the other thing that people have the ability to do in later life is to self-regulate more, to time shift, so you don't have to be out in traffic at the real busy times. You don't have to travel necessarily on, like on airplanes, right at the holidays, you know, to get somewhere because you have the leisure of maybe going a week before and, and taking it a little bit less, you know, frenzied, if you will, at the airport than it might otherwise be. So those are just some of the issues that I, I talk about in that chapter of the book. That's, that's great. And it's, it's wonderful how you've laid it out that there's these different things for people to, to look at, consider. There's a lot of things that people might look at as almost a downside of retirement, an upside of retirement. It's just a change of your lifestyle, a change of approaching uh, life. And so it's great to have a resource here 
to point you towards the different things you need to be prepared for. I like a, a few things you said there where people are facing these new decisions they've never faced before. And it's interesting, if you're 20, 25, 30, it's new for you to start saving and investing and things like that. But then you get about 30, 40 years of getting used to it. And then all of a sudden you turn 60, 65, whatever it is, and it's like you're fresh again. You have to completely relearn, uh, how do I retire? How do I take money out of my investments? You've paid into Social Security, but that was automatic. How do you take the money out of Social Security? So it's just amazing how many of these different new decisions that you get to, to face that you've never faced before. And I like how you've highlighted it. It's helpful to get some help from people that have guided others through those decisions. That's what we like to, to do. And we like to say we've retired over 100 times in our office because that's how many people we've helped retire. And yet every individual gets to retire once probably, maybe twice. Michael Jordan retired twice, I think, from uh, baseball and, and basketball. But another thing too is getting help where I see it maybe with a 60-year-old where they've got the 85-year-old or the 90-year-old mom and they're thinking, boy, I wish mom would just actually get some help or accept help. And, and then we also see it too with the, the people that are in that situation that are 80s plus and are needing the help. And it feels like uh, almost an embarrassment of I used to be able to do this or I should be able to do this. And it's just a, it's a natural life transition. You've, you've earned it, I think, in a way, sometimes. You don't have to go out and clean the gutters or mow the lawn. That's not something that you've had your time to do that, and it's, uh, it's a-okay. Your life will probably be more rich and maybe uh, less dangerous with a lot of these things if you do accept that help. So that's a, a nice thing that you put in there. Yeah, and I also put in a caution as people have more people from the outside coming into their house. Uh, there's a real need to be very careful about home security and to not leave any documents sure, yeah. out in the open that could be a source of identity theft. So so that's a real clear thing. The other thing that I didn't mention is really the inspiration for the book and the whole title, Flipping a Switch. I, I went to a conference uh, sponsored by the American Savings Education Council, and they were doing a research presentation about spending in retirement. And most of the presentation was pretty dire about the lack of savings and the inadequacy of Social Security. And and then at the very end, they, they said, well, there's a subset of older Americans that have a unique problem. And problem was kind of in air quotes. And then they went on to say that these are people who've been very diligent savers for 30, 40 years, and they've amassed quite a bit of money because they have been diligent savers, and then all of a sudden, they're finding it very difficult to spend the money that they put aside. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is just psychological. Nobody wants to see the balances in their accounts go down, even if it's not due to a stock market loss, it's just due to withdrawing your own money. And at the end of the presentation, the speaker said, we almost need financial education to teach people how to flip a switch from being a saver to a spender. And so that became the genesis for the book title and for the first chapter of the book, which is called, If You Don't Spend Your Money, Somebody Else Will. So uh, that's a major um, change for people because I think financial planners, rightly so, have been encouraging people for decades 
to save, 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 and take advantage of all the tax-deferred investments. And, and that's all well and good, but I think as their clients get older, there also has to be some attention paid to making people feel comfortable that they have enough, that they're not going to run out. Because running out of money is one of the biggest fears that older adults have. So one of the great benefits that a financial advisor like yourself can provide is to help run the numbers for people and help them see that they're going to be okay and that they can have a little bit more comfort spending money today instead of having feeling like they have to squirrel it away for 30 years in the future. Yeah, for sure. We see that all the time. I think that's one of the biggest switch flips is how do you go from being that saver to being a spender? And it's not like you're overspending. It's just that you spent 30, 40 years putting money into your accounts and it feels like you're losing when all of a sudden the money starts coming out from your accounts and you get to see these dollars on your statements. And it, there's a lot of comfort with seeing here's a specific dollar amount that's on there. And it's, it's interesting. I, I talk to people, I say, Hey, you probably started out saving with nothing and you've built up quite a bit. If you end up with a little bit more than nothing at the end, you still won, right? If you, if that's the way it is, uh, but that's what you've done. You've built it up from not that much to a, a larger amount. It's a-okay to allow that amount to to come out, to, to go down because it's going into your checking account. It's you, you took money out of your income so that later on you can take that money and put it into your income. And it's it's okay to let that actually happen. You've You've done step one and it feels as if it's a, a losing proposition when you switch to t step two, which is taking the money out. And that's just not the case. That's what you've been saving for. But it is quite a uh, quite a psychological, I like that you said it's psychological. Uh, and even, it's almost a, a fear. And we were talking uh, earlier in another uh, call, how actually the conference we were at, a lot of these folks that are part of it are part of this movement called FIRE, Financial Independence Retire Early. And it's kind of a, a theory that, hey, you, you live incredibly a Spartan lifestyle for maybe 10 to 20 years, and then you get to about 40-ish perhaps, and then you retire. And you were talking about, well, well, what do you do then? And you prefer a new acronym that you came up with, Financial Independence New Directions. And I like how that applies to younger people that maybe want to do that, but it applies to people that are 60 or older and want to do that. Let's, can you talk about uh, that for a little bit? Sure, yeah. So I have a chapter in the book called Finding and F-I-N-D is in caps because it's the acronym for Financial Independence New Direction. So it's finding fulfillment after full-time work. And you're absolutely right, Jeremy. Whether, whether you exit the workforce in your mid-40s or, or your mid-60s is, is more commonplace, you need a plan. You need to decide what you're going to do. And it's good even when you're younger to start thinking about that because the plans that you make and the activities that you plan to do are going to be a, driving the amount of money that you need, which of course helps in the planning for setting money aside when you're younger. But just having a plan, I mean, particularly if somebody exits the workforce at, at 45, you could potentially have, I don't know, maybe 60 years ahead of you. And, and what do you do, 55, 60? Uh, because again, if it's happening now, who knows what the life expectancy will be when those people who are 40 now are at 
older adult ages, that's a lot of years to sustain yourself with your own resources. So I think people just need to pay attention to what their new directions are. And in fact, most of the people that are leading the the FIRE movement, the people who've been profiled in the Playing With Fire documentary film and others that are blogging about FIRE, most of them do have other pursuits. They're, they're blogging. They're, they're doing other types of monetized content creation types of work. And the only thing that's different is that they're calling their own shots. And I think that's really the beauty of FIRE and I would argue FIND is that you can achieve the financial independence at whatever age you achieve it and uh, then you call your own shots and you get to decide when you get up, when you exercise, what you do, who you work with, who you don't work with, all of that just becomes um, your direction rather than having a boss tell you what to do. So I just like find because I think it's perfectly okay to have work be your new direction. If you want to continue working in some capacity, the word retire is kind of limiting in many ways. So I think new directions just is a better indication of what most people will want to do when they leave the full-time labor force is, is figure out what they want to do, what they're passionate about, what makes them happy, and then pursue those uh, different activities. I like that uh, you said it's it's more like calling your own shots. Uh, we like to remind people you only get one shot at retirement. And I think if they follow through with some of the ideas that you have, then they probably can call their own shots when they get there, as opposed to some people that hit retirement and feel like some things are forced on them and they've got uh, limited options. And that's, that's the goal, I think, is to just get to the point where you have more options and you can call your own shots, whether you're 45, 55, 65, whatever it is that you retire. Well, I want to finish up. You had a great blog post uh, in October talking about, are you financially resilient? I want to uh, link to that blog post. It's a great thing for people to go through. And I think it's just a great idea. If you are someone trying to uh, prepare for retirement or just prepare for your financial future, no matter your age, I think these guidelines are just, just great. Great advice that you have from there. Would you mind talking through a few of those ideas? How do we get financially resilient? Sure, Jeremy, I'd be happy to. And I think it's really important to think about resilience after the last two years, what we've gone through with the pandemic and the economic impacts that many American families have faced. Many people have been challenged to just keep food on the table and pay their bills. So these strategies can work in in a time of crisis, but they also are great strategies for any time just to build up the capacity of people to withstand what economists refer to as shocks. And shocks can be the loss of a job, it could be a death in the family, it could be an illness, it can be whatever. Just having some of these resiliency resources built up can make the difference between people who really struggle and people who are able to ride out uh, a crisis in relatively good shape. So I think the first one is to have a low debt-to-income ratio. And here we're talking about a consumer debt-to-income ratio, which includes all the debts that people would have excluding a mortgage. So it would be car loan payments, student loan payments, credit card payments, 
debts to family members, if you're paying them back on a monthly basis, that sort of thing. And the key thing to remember is to try to keep the the monthly payments for all those consumer debts at less than 15% of your take-home pay. And particularly if you get to 20%, that's considered a danger zone because it means that one-fifth of your take-home pay, which obviously is a lot less than what you actually earn, is going just to pay for debts that were previously incurred. So it's a simple math thing. Just add up the monthly payments for all your consumer debts. Look at your pay stubs. Figure out what your monthly uh, net pay is. Or if you're self-employed, you'll have to look at your receipts and your payments from clients. And and then just do the math and see what that percentage is. So I'll give you an example. If somebody had $275 of debt payments and they were netting $2,500. If you do the math on that, it's it's 11%, 275 divided by 2,500. So that person in that example is still under the 15%. But they don't want to take on too much more debt or they can easily start to get closer to that danger zone. Another thing is just simply having emergency savings. And the standard recommendation is three to six months of essential living expenses. And you'll want to keep that um, money uh, liquid. So you're looking at money market funds, perhaps short-term CDs, um, savings accounts. I like to recommend online banks because you usually get a much higher percentage of interest than you would in um, a brick-and-mortar bank, but you have to shop around and see what's available. And it may take people a year to build up that emergency fund. You know, sometimes financial recommendations are, you know, just get that emergency fund. Well, in real life, it can take people a year or more to get the savings built up to three months of essential expenses. So that's okay. Just keep shopping away at it and building up your resources as you can. Learning to earn is another resiliency resource. And by that, I mean, just keep yourself marketable and employable. You know, build up what economists call your human capital, which is your stock of knowledge, experiences, skills, contacts, everything that you can bring to a new employer. And of course, this is a time where many people are switching jobs. We've experienced the so-called great resignation. And the people who are doing well getting new jobs are people who are bringing skills and knowledge that is in demand in the workforce. So anything that you can do to get an increasing certification or a new degree or even just on-job experience can really put you in good stead. Having adequate insurance is always important, and insurance can really provide uh, resiliency resources when families are in a time of crisis. So that includes uh, life insurance, if you have dependents, disability insurance, if you're the uh, breadwinner and earning income for your family, and then obviously you want to have all your property insurance adequate as well. And then I guess the final thing I would just recommend as a resource for people is to increase your knowledge because uh, knowledge is power. And by that, I mean your financial knowledge. So try to learn one new thing every day about personal finance. So it could be from a podcast such as this one. So anybody who's listening, you've got today covered. It could be financial magazines, workplace seminars, 
blogs, websites, adult education courses, radio, television, investment clubs, or perhaps working with a certified financial planner. So all of those sources of information are really important. And again, the more you learn day to day, just one new thing, the more what you have already learned will make more sense because you'll be able to connect more dots and and learn about important concepts, you know, diversification, dollar cost averaging, pay yourself first. There's just so many. And it'll make more sense as you keep adding uh, new knowledge to your existing knowledge. That's that's great. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing that. I thought I, when I was looking through and, and saw that blog, I thought this is a great uh, set of advice. It's interesting you have some characteristics, kind of approaches to how to approach uh, finances and, and things like that. And you've got these practical uh, steps to to go through. And w- we need to end that last one, increase your financial knowledge, because you've already increased all of our financial knowledge, which is which is amazing. I'm not, I'm not surprised, though. Uh, I should have maybe said this earlier. You are a distinguished professor emeritus at Rutgers University. I've taught uh, five different finance courses. I think you've got me beat. I, I have a feeling you've probably teach like five a semester for many years. So that's that's how you got to become a distinguished professor. That's that's amazing. Thank you for uh, for doing that and still educating people through your blog and, and podcasts and things like this. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you, Barbara, for coming on the show. So happy to, to have you out here, connect with our, our listeners. Any final words you'd like to leave us with? Well, I mean, I think uh, we're at the end of the year, and it's always a good idea to do some year-end review of your finances. The IRS has just announced new contribution limits for employer retirement savings plans, so you may want to take a look at that. Review your insurance policies. Older adults might be looking at a change in their Medicare as we're in the open enrollment period. So just take the remaining few weeks of uh, 2021 to do a review of your finances and maybe set some goals. I'm hesitant to use the word New Year's resolutions because most people don't keep them. So just think of them as financial goals and they can be small and start thinking about those now so that you can kind of hit the ground running in 2022. Well, thank you, Barbara, for sharing that and sharing your time with us. And thank you to our listeners for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.